Super Talk Mississippi media production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. To get a taste of what they're truly all about, you can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersandBakers.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in to Mike in the Morning. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you are with me. And uh, I will get to football here in a second. I will uh, talk a lot about that, actually. I've got a few things for you. First of all, just, hey, it's football week. We get started with real live tackle football on your television on Thursday. The Cowboys and the Steelers in the Hall of Fame game. Cannot wait for that. Uh, the Saints... Boy, I'm trying to talk myself into liking the Saints, and I can't do it this year. I, I, I mean, of course, I like the team. I'm going to support them to the end. I mean, like like their chances at being a good team is what I should say. Uh, camp begins for college football. Uh, that happens later on this week. COVID, sadly, is still a story. Uh, there's an article from On3 about the SEC revenue and what it's going to jump to. And, buddy, it is um, rather significant. <laughs> Uh, big time money. And we also have a number of the average NIL deal in college sports. It's not as big as anybody thought it was going to be, except for me and the listeners of this told you what was coming and uh, it bore out. But I do want to start with uh, with this. You guys probably saw the news if you didn't uh, over the weekend. Um, my colleague, co-worker, and uh, somebody who um, was a huge help to me uh, when I first started here, JT Williamson, uh, he passed away this weekend after a long and uh, brave fight with uh, with cancer. And um, there's only so much that, that you can say about somebody like that, right? I mean, he's been a staple of talk radio in this state for longer than I've been alive. I mean, he's... Um, it was somebody that, yes, he did conservative talk, conservative politics. But if you lived in Mississippi, if you cared about Mississippi, he loved you, every single person, even the Democrats. You know, he, he I've never encountered anybody that loved this state more than him. Uh, I've never encountered anybody that loved his family more than him. Um, he was a shining example of how to love. Um, he loved me. Uh, you know, I mean, he loved everybody in the office, everybody around. He was just uh, an incredible, incredibly kind and caring person and, and loved this state deeply. And um, we uh, people at Super Talk and, and everybody around are, are going to be missing him deeply, deeply. And uh, so just please, if if you do this, uh, lift a prayer up to his family. Uh, they, they need them. And, um, yeah, this state is, is definitely going to be missing him deeply. So um, I'm going to try to do as normal of a stream this morning as possible. We're going to try to do as normal of uh, as shows today as possible, but it's with a heavy heart for sure. Um, I, I will share this story. I've shared it on the radio before. Um, like the day after or two days after I found out 
Katie and I found out that uh, that she was pregnant with our son, uh, I was sitting in the break room in the office and I, I was clearly, you know, just my mind was spinning, you know, a thousand miles per hour. And uh, JT walked in and he knew something was wrong because he walked in and said, you know, what's up to me? And I didn't even look up or acknowledge his existence. I, I didn't even know that he, that he was in the room. And so he sat down next to me and said, hey, Borky, you okay? And he was like the first person I told. I looked up. I said, well, we just found out that Katie's pregnant. And he said, oh, congratulations. That's great. And I was like, yeah, man, I just I, I'm terrified. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I'm nervous. I, you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And he looked at me and he said, Michael, there are people, a lot of people much dumber than you that have turned out to be just fine at raising kids. You'll be fine, too. And uh, we both got a pretty good laugh out of that. And uh, every day after that, you know, how's your wife? How, how is he? And, and after James was born, it's how's the little guy? And um, you know, he'd randomly just ask that kind of stuff. Uh, nobody asked me more than him. Nobody cared about anybody else around here more than him. So uh, that that was really comforting in that moment. Uh, hear JT just look at me and smile and say, Michael, a lot of people are dumber than you out there <laughs> to just fine. So, um yeah, a staple in this state. He will be greatly, greatly missed. So anyway, we'll, uh, we'll start with a couple comments first from JP he said, morning, Mike, I trust the weekend post vacation was good to you. Sadly, uh, sadly it was not because of that, but so how about our lady social justice warriors down by Canada earlier this morning? Some of us were up for the contest. Zero shots on goal until minute 56 VIR. Induced a penalty kick provided to lethal our cause and shut out three of five matches. First loss to Canada in 20 years. Uh, yeah, I mean, all, all joking aside about all that, they're definitely in a transition period. Um, they're playing very similar to what the men went through in 2018 when we didn't qualify for the World Cup for some reason. Uh, we insisted on playing older players who were past their prime, um, and it didn't work. And apparently the similar thing happened here. Uh, just uh, they insisted on playing older players for continuity, but those older players aren't at the peak of their game anymore and they couldn't do it. So uh, I really enjoyed watching the gold cup last night. That was a lot of fun. I did not, uh, I did not stay up or wake up early to, uh, to watch that game, but uh, yeah, I, I see that uh, a lot of people are celebrating that today. I I'll never celebrate um, Americans losing at anything. Um, that That's just not me, but um, I do see people are taking advantage of that today. Anyway, all right, so it is football week. By the way, again, if you're a first-time viewer, my name is Michael Borky. Glad that, that you are with me, like I said at the beginning. But uh, this goes live. If you're a first-time viewer or listener, this goes live every morning. 8 a.m. is when I fire up the stream, and it's on multiple platforms. Uh, on Twitter, Periscope, follow me on uh, on Twitter, at Michael Borky, very clever, very creative, Facebook, and also YouTube. That's uh, where I'm trying to push you guys to the YouTube channel. So find me on YouTube, subscribe. Michael Borky is all you need to search at that subscribe button and uh, ring the notification bell as well so you know when I go live or when I post a video. Uh, YouTube streaming is really good, uh, really good, and uh, I like it. And so I hope you guys like it as well. And uh, while you're here, if you like what you hear, go ahead and like the video, physically like the video. That would help me a ton. And also wherever you get your podcast, Mike in the morning should do just that uh, wherever you get them. 
and subscribe and leave a rating and a review. Only if you like what you hear, anyway. Um, Okay, so it is football week. The Hall of Fame game gets underway Thursday. Camp reporting happens later this week uh, for everybody in college football. All of the Week Zero teams, I assume, are already practicing. I don't know that for sure because I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't really follow Hawaii football all that closely, although covering them would be a dream job. But, you know, anyway. so everybody, everything gets started in earnest this week. You've already had training camp and all of the NFL already happening, but you get real live tackle football this Thursday, Hall of Fame game, Dallas Cowboys, no Dak Prescott. He's injured anyway, but doesn't seem to be a chronic thing, just more of a, you know, don't do anything stupid in training camp over the next couple of weeks and we'll get you ready for the season. He wouldn't be playing on Thursday, not anyway, but still, Cowboys, Steelers on Thursday, real live tackle football. And training camp's been going on for a little while now. And this Michael Thomas thing with the Saints, I'm at the point right now, this preseason, where I have convinced myself, like I I will die on this hill. I know how stupid I sound. I know how stupid I sound when I say this. But I have convinced myself on August 2nd that uh, Marquez Calloway can be as impactful for the Saints as Michael Thomas. That is where I am this offseason. That's where I fall. Uh, (laughs) I need football to come here quickly because I am losing my mind. But I I will say this. I was listening to a podcast yesterday where somebody suggested that the Saints had the worst receiver core in the NFL. And, you know, without Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders is gone. There's not a whole lot of options there, at least not a whole lot of proven guys. I certainly get it, but I am here to tell you that this might be full-on black and gold glasses. I I could be just going full-on Homer here, but I do think that the group of receivers that they have is better than people are giving it credit for, and I think they will prove it. And again, maybe that's just full on Homer. Like I'm not even thinking straight. Cause again, I think that Marquez Callaway can be as productive as Michael Thomas. I know how stupid that is, uh, but I do like Callaway. I think he can be productive. Don't forget Alvin Kamara. They're basically going to use him as a wide receiver. Anyway, uh, there are some pieces there that can have shown you flashes at times of being good, productive NFL wide receivers. They just haven't proven it haven't had to, haven't been asked to prove it at any kind of significant level. But, you know, I, I'm trying to talk myself into this. This offseason has been a disaster. I mean, they lost a Hall of Fame quarterback. They've got either Taysom Hill, who has never played quarterback consistently in the NFL, and he wasn't good at it in college, but he's a freak athlete. And Jameis Winston, whose last time as a starting quarterback threw 30 interceptions. Like, those are the quarterbacks. And now you had to gut a lot of your depth to get under the cap, your best cornerback is likely going to miss some games because he got arrested this summer in felony possession of a stolen firearm. And then your most consistent defensive tackle, your best defensive tackle, uh, most consistent guy on the entire line is going to miss a few weeks because he unknowingly took performance enhancing drugs. So he's out. And then Michael Thomas is doing whatever the heck he's doing at this point. It doesn't make any sense at all. Getting a surgery this late, I mean, just at this point, just trade him, just be done with it. Don't you don't want this around? He wasn't, he hasn't been productive since he signed a new contract anyway. He's been injury prone. He waited to get a surgery until what two weeks before training camp 
go ahead and trade him. Just be done with it. Move on. But still, that's your best wide receiver. He's not there. So you're you're looking at Troutman, who's a second year guy, and Marquez Callaway and and getting thrown at by Jameis Winston and a rookie's going to have to play defensive back at least for a little while. And you've got Demario Davis and more rookies. It's, it's just hard to talk myself into this team being any good, but I'm going to be able to successfully do it. I know I am. I'm going to be able to do it. Uh, it's just hard. It's really hard <laughs> to talk myself into it. So Zach says currently, Visiting family on the East Coast, so I get an extra hour of sleep before you go live. Sports talk starting at four is weird, though. Yeah, and the whole squad is back now. We had uh, last week where Haydad was running things the first three days, and then I came back, and now Richard's back. So uh, for the first time in in a while, we get to do uh, relatively normal normal shows uh, from here on out. Since football is beginning, we're all uh, we're all back in it. So. JP says Callaway can be uh, as effective if, big if, he stays healthy. Same for Smith heading into year four. He has to remain healthy. Harris is going to have to step up around his suspension to stretch the field. It's a mess. Uh, And you know what's crazy is they still have the bones of being a a team that's pretty good, right? I need to stop doing this because I'm embarrassing myself. (laughs) Like that that over nine and a half, I'm still like, yeah, they could do it. There's a path there. Um, not, uh, not very good. So that's on the NFL side of things. I'm talking myself into still believing in this team, even though all of those things I just laid out are plaguing them right now. Uh, on the college front, uh, unfortunately, you know, COVID is still a story. It's going to be a story mostly centered around vaccination rates. I just, um, I wonder what the SEC is going to do about testing vaccinated players uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do there but you have teams and it doesn't sound like Ole Miss or Mississippi State are there yet but a lot of teams in the SEC that have not gotten over that threshold and we've talked about it before that they're not going to postpone games they're not going to shuffle the schedule around if you can't field a team they're going to be less lenient about feeling fielding teams as well uh, you just forfeit the game sorry that counts as a loss and you know, now that camp is beginning this weekend and you've got potentially two teams in this state, both SEC teams that are not over the threshold that the SEC has put out there. What does that mean? Uh, one positive could lose a game. And what are they doing to try to get them above that line? And I know there are a lot of people that push back on that and think that the league shouldn't be altering stuff and, you know, that's that's a conversation I don't feel like having. It's not worth having because the point is the SEC has this rule where uh, your restrictions, your testing and everything will be eased if you reach that 80% threshold. Same thing in the NFL. Most NFL teams have, have gotten there, by the way, and if not, they will. Uh, but the messaging for some of these teams needs to change because you will lo- it will cost you games if you're not there. And, and it is a story. Um, I, I don't expect maybe Vanderbilt, but like here in Mississippi, I don't expect there to be crowd restrictions. There shouldn't be. Uh, we've got to get to a point. I, I will actually mention this. I don't feel like talking about it. I'm kind of sick of talking about it, but it, it's a story that's out there. Um, you see all the time 
especially lately with with this new variant and cases going up. And that's a real thing. Cases are going up. But the number of times I've seen people say. Life can't change for a vaccinated person because. Of the unvaccinated people. So mask mandates, all that kind of stuff. The selling point not too terribly long ago was once you get the shot, you can go back to normal. But now it's, well, even though you got the shot and you're fully vaccinated, you could spread it to an unvaccinated person and therefore we have to distance and mask and all that stuff. Well, at this point, whose fault is that? I don't mean to be callous, but at this point, whose fault is that? If somebody has chosen not to take the shot for whatever reason, if somebody has chosen to do that at this point, they have access to all the data that there is, all of it. Uh, they have access to the shots. You can get it anywhere for free. You just walk up and get it right away, literally anywhere. I got mine at Walgreens. That's where I got my shot. It was at Walgreens, uh, two miles from my house. It was very easy. It, it took 10 minutes. It, that, that was it. It's readily available. All the information that shows you that they are safe and that they work is out there for you. And if you choose not to get it, that's, you know, that's that's your choice. But at this point, why? I mean, whose fault? Whose fault is it at this point? So if somebody has not gotten the shot and they get the virus that, you know, that's on them, that's up to them. It was their decision. At this point, what else do we need? It's that sounds callous and that sounds selfish. But at the end of the day, if you do the right thing, you shouldn't have to alter your life because somebody else has made a different decision than you. There's a big concert going on in Chicago, Lollapalooza or something like that. I've never enjoyed, never went to stuff like that. That's just not my scene, but apparently it's a big deal. And I saw a picture on Twitter of the crowd at one of these concerts, packed in, everybody just packed in like sardines, right? And they were getting shamed for it, uh, for being there. And somebody in the reply said, I was there, I'm fully vaccinated I will be okay or something like that. And this person was just getting roasted, being called selfish, and you could still spread it to other people and all that stuff. At, at the end of the day, anybody that was in that kind of crowd that has not gotten the shot assumes the risk. They know by now, or they should know by now, everything associated with the virus, the new variant, the vaccines, the safety of them, and the effectiveness of them. Everything I've read lately proves that they are working. They are effective. If somebody chooses not to, that is exclusively on them. I just I, That messaging is not going to change the mind of somebody that hasn't gotten it yet. It's so obnoxious. It, it, hey, when you get it, nothing changes about you. You still have to wear a mask. You still have to distance. Everything's going to be restricted after you you get the shot. What kind of messaging is that? What are we doing? If you don't feel safe, you don't have to be in public. If you if you need groceries, you can do the thing at Kroger or every grocery store that they will pick them off the shelves for you and bring them out to your car. At, at this point, with the access of the shots and the information that we have, restricting those who got it because of those who didn't, I, I think it's kind of stupid. But, uh, you know, who am I, right? I'm a nobody. But... At what point do we allow people who did the right thing to live? Or, or anybody. You know the risks. You assume the risks. It's on you whether or not you decide to pro best protect yourself. I don't know.
But at least in this state, I don't believe that we are going to have in-stadium restrictions. I don't think that's going to happen. But if there's an outbreak on a team, they will, they absolutely will um, forfeit games. It it will happen. Uh, So more needs to be done here to get these teams in Mississippi above the threshold or else we might be looking at possible postponement. The SEC does not need to be testing vaccinated players. I think that that will be their policy that should remain their policy. Um, And hopefully that doesn't happen here. But still, I mean, a year later, it's definitely a story going into this season. It's something that we have to keep an eye on. We cannot ignore. It's definitely a story here in this state uh, and beyond. It's a story nationally uh, about what will be done when an outbreak occurs within a locker room or will it, when it, all that kind of stuff. That's still a story this year. Luckily, I don't anticipate any kind of season cancellation or anything like that because last year we played, right? And there wasn't a shot that was readily available the entire season, and they were able to pull it off, and they did well. So I'm not going to be one of those people that tells you you need to be afraid of the season getting canceled because it's not going to happen. But um, it's still a story. Unfortunately, it's still a story, and um, especially going to be one for the teams in this state unless they raise their uh, their rates. So, Speaking of, so we talked a lot about Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC last week. It is official. They are coming. There's going to be some legal posturing and maneuvering. I think that they will be on the football schedule next season. I think it can happen as early as next season. That's just me. Um, But if you're ever wondering why the SEC welcomed in Texas and Oklahoma and why this is a a good thing, look no further than this story from On3 this morning. It's By the way, it's a new website. uh, Do a really good job covering college football. They hired a lot of really smart people, so put that in your bookmarks. But uh, they anticipate, according to this article this morning in On3, that the SEC, after adding Texas and Oklahoma, can see a $500 million increase in revenue and then obviously distributed to their teams. So 2019-2020, the SEC distributed, or, or the uh, the revenue that was generated by the SEC was $729 million. That gets, of course, divided 15 ways. That's how you get your payout. This article anticipates that the new, with the new media rights deal and adding Texas and Oklahoma and stuff like that, the SEC could generate between $1.2 and $1.3 billion with a B, billion dollars annually to its member institutions. So a little quick math here. I don't think I've ever typed billion in a calculator before. Um if I can even find it. Where'd my calculator app go? It's gone forever. Huh. Well, let's Google it then. What is 1.3 billion by 15? Wow. Um... At $86 million? 
Wow, that is um, that's more than I expected. I accidentally deleted my calculator app. It's gone. Um, anyway, eighty-six bill, or million dollars distributed to the uh, the remaining teams in the SEC. That is why you welcome this. Uh, but Elliot on Twitter, he's from twenty four seven. The other day, put this out there. I'll read it to you. He said, "I got to find it." I'm all over the place this morning, guys. Sorry, I'm uh, just not thinking clearly after this weekend. He said, if you are a fan of Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Kentucky, Arkansas, or the Mississippi schools, why are you in favor of OU and Texas joining the SEC? Is there some sort of dividend program I don't know about? Well, that massive check that the league sends you would be. Um, And his reply was not to the fans, and that's who he's asking the question for. Fans want to see their program be the best, right? That's the goal, is to have your program be the best it can possibly be. And when you are generating $30 million more in revenue, when you are bringing in $30 million more, that elevates your program. Yes, the rest of the SEC also gets that increase in money, but simple math tells you that $30 million to Ole Miss is more of a percentage of their budget than that of Texas A&M. So yes, Texas A&M, for example, gets that increase in money as well, but it means more to Ole Miss, but most especially everybody else in college football, they elevate themselves over. I said on Friday, I stand by it. Ole Miss and Mississippi State today, their programs have been elevated just by the inclusion of Texas and Oklahoma because the patch they wear on their chest. Their profile was elevated last week just by existing at the table that they currently sit. Their profile's been elevated. So fans of Arkansas, Missouri, and I respect that he put Tennessee in that group because some people are caught up in thinking Tennessee's still a blue blood. They're not. Results tell you that. But this idea that fans of the Mississippi schools, for example, shouldn't be happy that Texas and Oklahoma are in, do you want to be a better program? If that answer is yes, more money will get you there. And also, if you think that you should be, that you are a nationally competitive program, a program that should be able to compete at the highest level in college football. I hear that all the time. I hear it from Ole Miss and State fans that, you know, we can win this. We did it before in 2014. Remember the Sports Illustrated cover? We were number one once. Ole Miss won a Sugar Bowl. If Fourth and 25 doesn't happen. They win the SEC likely that year. Um, so they've been there. And if you think you're there, being scared of Texas and Oklahoma, th- that's not what big-time programs do. It's not what they do. If you think you should be nationally competitive, if you, if you think you are nationally competitive, having a seat at this table that includes now Texas and Oklahoma only elevates you even more. And at least in Ole Miss's case, the last time they went to Austin, not long ago, they beat the absolute crap out of Texas. Like, that did happen. Texas hasn't been elite since 2005 or six or whatever year it was. I mean, they've been a middling program ever since then. They haven't been good. I mean, recruits are, are alive today that haven't seen Texas football good or don't remember it. I mean, I just th- this fear that I've, I've seen from, from some and people like – 
Bud Elliott, who, who's with 24-7. I, I don't understand that line of thinking. Do you think you're a nationally relevant program or not? If that answer is yes, then you want Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC. If that answer is yes, you want that extra $30 million or whatever it would be coming to your program. You want Oklahoma coming to your stadium once every four years and Texas coming to your stadium once every four years. Money, prestige, eyeballs, everything can only make your program better. If you're sitting at the table with programs like that and the best conference in America that just got a lot better, it elevates you. It makes you better makes you more attractive. It makes you richer. It's what it does. So, yeah, that revenue number doesn't shock me at all, and that's why you add them. On three's report, $500 million more. Good. Bring it on. It only helps the programs here. JP says, how are we going to decide with four-team divisions who gets to travel to Atlanta in December to play? Cannot find convincing examples. Your take if teams have the same record. So it would be the teams with the two best records. And if there are three teams with identical records, for example, then you would go to -to head-to-head matchups. If by some off chance that none of them played each other, then you go to – opponent's record or something like that. You just do simple tiebreakers. It is extremely unlikely that you will have three teams with identical records that have not played each other. But simple tiebreakers you know, are, are used in sports often. Uh, but you would start with record against each other and then something like that. Soccer uses point differential, uh, scoring margin, whatever the case may be. Um, Luckily, of course, you want to play for the SEC championship and stuff like that. But if you have three teams in the SEC with identical records, again, extremely unlikely that that will happen. But if it does happen and they haven't played each other with the expanded playoff, when that comes, they'll all make the playoff anyway. Zach says, best conference record, best pod record, heads up record. I think it would would go conference record, uh, head-to-head if they've played. Um and then something like point differential or something like that. There are plenty of examples. That's not something that I'm particularly worried about because I don't think it'll happen very much. But if it does, there are plenty uh, of examples um, where it would, you know, that they could use out there, that other sports use. Dex says, I figure tiebreaker rules would mimic the wildcard tiebreakers for the NFL, just replacing division with pod when applicable. See, that... That works just fine. The NFL already provides you a tie-breaking example. Uh, so something like that. I'm not too worried about that ever happening, really. But if it does, there are uh, great examples of that. Also, speaking of money, a lot of people during this NIL debate talked about, oh, what's going to stop this program from having a booster give $100,000 to 10 recruits every year and all that stuff. and. Sure, maybe that will happen. Uh, You did see where Bryce Young, according to Nick Saban, and again, that number was seemingly embellished at least a little bit, uh, was getting seven figures. You know, he's unique. Suni Lee is going to be the richest athlete in college sports. You watch. Uh, Those are outliers. The average NIL income right now in college sports is under $1,000, about 900 bucks. That is the average. So that includes Bryce Young's million dollars. That is what I've been talking about for years. That is about what you can expect. That was what it was always going to be. 
just that. Um, not a whole lot of money because the scholarships and, and all that stuff are valuable. And the brand on the helmet is more valuable than the name on the back of the jersey. That's how college sports works. And I, I've said for months and months and years even that this was how it was going to shake out. It was going to be a few hundred bucks there, a couple thousand bucks here. Massive endorsement deals were never coming across the board in college sports. It was always going to be something like this. Uh, extra cash here, autograph signing, stuff like that. It was never going to be these just every major college football team with millions of dollars in endorsements. It was never going to go down like that because the brand on the helmet is the most valuable part of college sports. These players and these teams, they just they rotate in and out. Um, their window in college is one to two years. Whereas in the NFL, you can have one player on the same team for two decades. You know, it's, it's just that way in college sports that the brand is more powerful than the player. And that's how it was before NIL. That's how it's going to be after NIL. And this number under a thousand bucks is the average deal proves that little extra cash. Glad that they're able to get it. They can, you know, if they're one of those players that's in, in the circumstance where their family needs help paying bills, they can send home money home to mom and dad to help keep the lights on, or they can put it in a bank account, or they can invest it, or some players you've seen have donated it to charity. That's fine. I mean, that's that's how it should be, and I'm glad that's happening. So for those that were spouting off, like Doug Gottlieb, or, or spouting off these these ideas about the money and all that, well, it was never going to be what people thought it it was. It was going to be this always, and it's bearing out, and I think that's fine. I mean, it's an encouraging number. I'm glad they're getting it, and it's also just not, not at all what people were afraid of. Not at all. Non-sequitur, JP says, Thanks, Bork, for letting the coaches' roundtable run on Friday's show. Wildly entertaining. Such great radio. I listened Friday and again with my squad yesterday. Kudos. Yeah, man, that was a lot of fun. Uh the contrasting styles between the three of them I thought was really funny uh, as well. So Will Hall was very much a football guy. He he was just there to talk football. You know, he, he's a he's a good old country boy and he just he was buttoned up and, and engaging and you know when he talks you want to run through a brick wall, but you had Will Hall there that's very football guy. Nothing wrong with that by the way. Love it. Uh, he was very impressive. But you had football guy. And then, then you had Lane Kiffin who couldn't have cared less about being there, just like wanted to go back to the boat and go fishing, who was dropping in some one-liners. And then you had Mike Leach, who just rants and rambles about horse names and stuff like that. I mean, it was just, it was a really good dynamic. It was a lot of fun. Um, they did talk about uh, defense, especially. Um, Lane Kiffin was really funny about his defense. I, I had somebody text me and ask if, his answers about his defense uh, are like a quiet confidence. And I don't know. I think that's just kind of always been, been him. I mean, my favorite Lane Kiffin thing ever was when he was on the Dan Patrick show and when he was at FAU and they were playing Oklahoma, I think at Oklahoma or Ohio state at Ohio state. I can't remember which game it was, but Dan just straight up asked him, you know, you think you guys have a chance this weekend? Like you think you're going to go win the game? And Lane said, watch our guys walk off the bus and then watch their guys walk off the bus and tell me if we have a chance. 
<laughs> so I, I don't know if it's like a, a, a veiled confidence. I think he's just kind of honest, you know? Uh, but no, it was really good. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, Lane Kiffin seemed motivated to get his team above the vaccine threshold. That was something that he seemed pretty strong about. And here's the thing, guys. I mean, I mean, there's a reason that Alabama and Georgia and Florida and LSU, they're they're all above, you know? Um, they, they, they don't want these games or, or this circumstance to get in the way of them winning a championship. And so we need to have the main same mindset here anyway. So did you guys watch soccer last night? Beating Mexico in the second trophy game of the summer, this time with our C team, basically. Now, there's a few guys that, that'll make the senior team for World Cup qualifying, but like, you know, like Hoppy and I think Ariola and um, yeah, a handful of guys, honestly, that played last night um, will be on the senior team. But that was very much our B slash C team. And Mexico was so mad about losing to us earlier this summer that they brought basically their entire A team to the Gold Cup, a tournament that doesn't matter, and they still can't beat the United States. Oh, I love it. I mean, USA soccer is in such a good place. Kellen Acosta is another one who was just superb last night. We are finally, finally in a really good place with our soccer team. It's And there was so much criticism of Greg Berhalter especially on Twitter, you know, these, these hipsters, these sports hipsters, like the, the golf fans that like, don't like the Olympics, although Olympic golf was just awesome. I mean, that that was, there was great drama. There was a seven player playoff for the bronze Xander Shoffley won, but you know, uh, leading up to the event, there was all kinds of hate about how stupid it was or whatever, or American media rooting for other, you know, you know, those sports hipsters, right. That they're, they're smarter than all of us. And, it's cool to hate the sport that's on TV right now. They did it with Olympic golf. Um, those same people hated Greg Berhalter, hated the hire, all that. Didn't even give him a chance. And it hasn't been the prettiest over the last few months. It, it hasn't been the prettiest, but his teams are winning. They play extremely hard for him. I mean, that was the most impressive part about last night. Yeah, it, it's a trophy game. Like, you should play hard. But these guys were were literally laying their bodies on the line for the team. I, I have not enjoyed watching a team play defense in soccer as much as I did watching those young guys last night. The back line, inexperienced. I mean, the whole team hadn't played together much. I mean, they're the B and C guys in, in some cases. Definitely not our best players. But the way they played how hard they played, uh, how together they were. I mean, they're a lot of fun. And and that's that way from top, for, from the senior team all the way down to these guys. Uh, it was a blast watching them play last night. I mean, uh, the, that, our young core, if you will, didn't play last night with the exception of a couple. But the depth that we have now, we can win the Gold Cup with our C team. We've got so many options for World Cup qualifying and events moving forward. Uh, that was so much fun. Um, the the toughness of that team, mental and otherwise, to to face Mexico's best with, with a couple of absences, but that was Mexico's best in a hostile environment in Las Vegas, um, where they got stuff thrown at them again. In Denver, two months ago, they got stuff thrown at them. 
In Denver, Colorado, the United States soccer team got stuff thrown at them on the field. And in Las Vegas, Nevada, our USA soccer team got stuff thrown at them on the field last night. Anyway, um, just it's just pathetic what happens to, to our team um, when they play Mexico in the United States. It's awful. But um, in a hostile environment like that, a bunch of young kids who barely played together stepped up and beat Mexico's best. I mean, that was incredible last night. I, I was pumped up, man. I couldn't go to sleep. I, I was fired up. The future, the, the not the future, because it's already here. The present of USA soccer is in such a good place right now in such a good place and i can't wait for the qualifiers this fall like usually they would be anxiety inducing i can't wait man i mean they play so freaking hard for burhalter uh it's it's special i'm i'm pumped about the future Uh, acosta was unbelievable last night um it was just awesome i i I love I, i love usa soccer so much, and they have done nothing but disappoint until now. And the time is now. I'm pumped. JP caught some of the match. Always enjoy beating Mexico. Absolutely, man. I mean, it, everything is sweeter when you get to beat Mexico. Uh, everything is sweeter. As a fan, we deserve it, he says. To finally be in a good place with our soccer team, we lead the globe in so many sport facets past you for us to be in a position to make noise in the world's most popular sport. Damn right. And we are. We finally are. I, I mean, our our... Our senior team, our, our A team, is filled with guys that are playing at the highest level in Europe and, and around the world. Um, the MLS is getting stronger. Uh, I mean, it, you're seeing some of that as well. I mean, these were a bunch of MLS guys last night, young MLS guys. And again, they beat Mexico's best, something that we've struggled with a lot through our history. MLS is getting better. Our domestic league is growing some. We have... Um, more academies popping up out there and our best are playing with the best and training with the best. And and we're in such a good place and qualifying mixed in with football season. So we've got the first real Saturday of college football, not week zero, but the first real Saturday of college football goes down, right? Uh, where Mississippi state and Southern Miss get their start that weekend, that Saturday. And then Sunday we have our first world cup qualifier against Canada. And then Monday, Ole Miss and Louisville. Like, what a weekend, you know? That, that's just going to be awesome, and uh, I can't wait. So forgive the soccer talk. I know the, the title was football, but, hey, soccer is technically football too, right? Um, so thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. And um, it was a bit all over the place this morning. Sorry, it's going to be like that today, I think. Just um, a really, uh, really tough time around here. So anyway. Aaron asked, don't you think culturally, this will be the last thing before I go, uh, Texas would have a better fit in the Pac-12? If you're talking politics, maybe. But as far as um, facilities, stadium atmosphere, fan base, all that stuff, SEC is perfect. Austin's a cool trip, man. That'll be most SEC fans' favorite road trip will be Austin. Um, there's a lot to do there. I mean, great food, good bar scene. The facility, the stadium's incredible. The tailgating's good. Uh, I said this before. I guess it was last week, but why not? Uh, Norman is not going to be everybody's favorite SEC road trip. 
it's certainly not bad and you should go like you'll enjoy yourself in Norman. It's it's there's definitely nothing bad about it. It's just not going to be your favorite trip. It's not Athens. It's not Oxford. It's not Nashville. It, it won't be Austin, uh, but it's not the worst in the league either. Like it's not Columbia, Missouri. You know, it's um, it, it's fine. It's good. The game day stuff at Oklahoma is going to blow you away. Stadium's beautiful, updated. Fans are good. Um, it's a cool spot. Game day in Norman's going to be great. The town's fine. You like, like you'll like the trip. Okay, it's kind of a long trip, but worth taking. Austin, the town and stuff is really cool. Uh, so you'll love that trip. So anyway, thank you guys for tuning in again. Um, we'll uh, we'll be back a little bit more focused uh, tomorrow. So we'll talk then. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.